So Tony Khan recently said in an interview, and I quote, There are a lot of differences. I don't really do cheap disqualification finishes to prolong something. There are other wrestling programs where you might see multiple DQs and countouts in a week. I believe in giving the fans a finish to the match. I believe in not false advertising programs and people. I might hype something I really believe in, but there's a big difference between hyping something and false advertising outright. And I've never done the latter. I think that's why we have a lot of goodwill with the audience. And he's right. Bring on blood and guts. Yeah. My name is Tyler Switchdown, the silent P. That P is silent. You are watching AEW 8 Cool Things on the Cool Co YouTube channel. Switch. Make sure to give us a subscribe. Make sure to hit that bell notification and stay tuned with all of the work that we are doing. We're trying to hit a thousand subscribers. We haven't reached it yet. We're actually really just getting started. So this is your time. Now, let's get into eight cool things from last night. All elite wrestling blood and guts. Because the, the quote mentioned in the beginning is exactly why All Elite Wrestling can start out the show the way that they started out this show. They have built goodwill and they have built trust with me as a fan. So when they start the show off with Don Callis coming out, saying that Kenny Omega isn't there for an advertised match, I'm not upset. I'm curious. Where is this going and how are they going to pay it off? And that's exactly what they did by bringing Kenny Omega out on the other side. It's all about the storyline. It's all about putting things together. And I'm cool with that. Because And that leads me to our second match of the night. Cody Rhodes versus QT Marshall. No pointless DQs. Yes, Cody took off his belt, attempted to use it against QT, which distracted the referee, which made QT take off his belt and hit Cody with it. Yes, that could be a disqualification, but that would be a disappointment to not only the fans at home, but also to the people in the crowd, also to the storyline that they're sharing. So what does the referee do? He allows the match to keep going. The same thing when Arn Anderson attacks QT in the middle of the match. Yes, it shouldn't happen. Yes, it's a disqualification. But what's more important, the storyline and the feelings of the show or the little rules? When All Elite Wrestling, when AEW talks about the more sports-like feel of it, this is exactly what it feels like. This is what New Japan does, you know? You set up a table and you go through it. And yes, it wasn't a no tables match, but this feud is so real and so strong and it's gotten out of hand that we have to let it go because there can only be one winner. Wins and losses matter again. Because speaking of story, 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 everything is placed with the purpose of pushing story forward. It is the most basic level of drama, most basic level of storytelling, and that's exactly as it should be. It happened with the referee in the last match, as I mentioned, but I think the strongest example of it is Taz's technique. They didn't give us a recap of the Christian Cage Powerhouse Hobbs match. What they did is Taz created a segment. We've seen it before, but created specifically a 30, I don't know, 45 second segment to explain why what he's saying is the flaws in Christian's story, why they're going to beat him 
but also he is getting his character over as the man who went to recruit him, the man who went to recruit him because he was a veteran, because he had all of these skills, and now he is salty, upset that he got turned down, and all he can do is call out the flaws. It's like a dude who got rejected from cat call. It's pushing the story forward, and everybody does it. Every, like, everybody has a storyline. Every single character, even down to Tony with his diamond earring and his relationship with Brick. Everybody's got a storyline and they're constantly pushing it forward and constantly telling us why they're doing the things that they do. And I promise you, I assure you, when AW doesn't do it that well, like recently with the Young Bucks story when you weren't really able to tell what's going on, are they in the gray area? Are they heels? Are they baby faces? They start the next week's episode with the Young Bucks giving you a heel promo, letting you know exactly what it's about. The storyline is not supposed to be hidden. It's not supposed underneath a rug. It's right there in our face. And they're literally just plant giving us seed crumbs and allowing us to follow it through. They're not force feeding us, but they're also not treating us like idiots. Because Since we're talking cool. We got to talk about one of the most cool things about all of the which is the music. There was a moment on last night's show that Jungle Express came out. I was hyped singing Jungle Express uh, song. That got cut off by SCU. I get hyped, I'm singing the SCU lyrics. Then the acclaimed music starts. So I start singing the acclaimed part. Then we get the the, the the rap, which I'm hyped over. And later on in the show, we also get Judas and we get Orange Cassidy theme song. What? It's like five. Not, so I guess the point that I'm making is that not only are the theme songs for the characters very much suitable for them, fit for them. It's perfect. I I don't know if AEW has a music department or if they get all of their tracks from different places, but it feels diverse. Every character feels like their pro feels like their music intro comes feels like something they built on their own. Feels like something they went back home and they got done on their own. And then on top of that, we have the fact that Tony Khan has paid the music, paid the budget or the money to get Judas, to get the Wild Pixies, to get the Jungle Boy theme song, it does raise the product. It does elevate the feel of the show as we're watching it. The same happened with Ronda Rousey. It hypes you up. It's something that you've lived with your whole life with wrestling. It gives it that more sports feel. It makes it feel more real. And when you have professional wrestling and people falling off of a cage onto a mat to protect them, we need every moment to feel as real as possible. Because I watched the movie Nobody last night and it was all right. It was pretty cool. I like Bob Odenkirk. He's a good guy. But let's give it up to all of the young AEW talent that were nobodies a year ago, at least to me. People that I didn't know 
Jungle Express, uh, The Acclaimed, uh, Anthony, I guess Anthony Agogo doesn't count. But what I mean is the young talent inside of wrestling. People like Aaron Solo, who was only known as Bailey's boyfriend for a time period. All of these people who were relatively unknown and are now getting the top TV time in AEW. They, it doesn't feel developmental, even though AEW Dark is and Dark Elevation are obviously Switch. developmental shows. Switch. Switch. It Switch. just feels like a lower card, you know? It's like Dynamite Switch. is Switch. The, 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 the heavyweights and you know, Dark is the mid card and Dark Elevation is the developmental if you had to add it here to it. But I'm invested in all of them and I'm watching them grow. And it's, I guess, almost like watching uh, high school basketball and then college basketball. And then you watch them get to the NBAs. So, shout out to the young talent for stepping up, for being able to take on the opportunities. And for Tony Khan and all of AEW to give it to them. Because these people that I am now creating budding relationships with are going to be the future Switch. of the industry and the future of the business Switch. for the next 10, 15 years, 20, Switch. 30 years to come. Because if you watch wrestling in the territory days, and you are probably accustomed to this, but I will never get over seeing a new Japan title belt inside Switch. of the AEW ring. It's the same for the Impact TNA Championship, but the new Japan has a very distinct feel to it. Because when I got back into wrestling, I had to not only get back into American wrestling, then I had to learn about the UK wrestling scene, then I had to travel to New Japan, and they are all so distinct and so different. So to see them play with each other is awesome. It is genuinely kind of shell-shocking. So to see John Moxley doing a promo on a man who used to be on WCW but now is in New Japan but is coming to defend, coming to fight for a New Japan title on an All Elite Wrestling show feels great. The, the gimmick of the Forbidden Door will probably have the same mystique as the Attitude Era gimmick has now, 20 years later, when you're like, remember that time period when that happened? Unless the Forbidden Door changes the industry moving forward and we won't talk about it with that mystique because it will be the norm and Switch. it'll be, and we will have already Switch. gotten accustomed to it. Switch. That is Switch. cool AF. I am O. Because the. Let's give a round of applause for intermingling feuds. Uh, for the fact that the Young Bucks are not only feuding with Kingston and Moxley, but they're also feuding with SCU, which will happen on next week's show but we're pretty sure that if they don't beat them, that Kingston and Moxley will be fighting the Young Bucks at double or nothing. Let's give it up for the fact that Kenny Omega is feuding with Kingston and Moxley 
but the person who he will actually be fighting at double or nothing is Pac or Orange Cassidy, just based on the the win or loss record. Let's give it up for the fact that Miro is kind of feuding with Kip Sabian. I know Kip Sabian's away and he's having surgery, but we're hoping that when Kip Sabian comes back, there will be a reason for them to continue feuding, but also is going after Darby Allin next week. You know, they all intermingle, they all intertwine, and I can do that for another four or five minutes. I can get into the women's division. And that's satisfying. There's a lot of things going on. And I'm excited. Because the And all throughout, throughout, all along the way, all elite wrestling is getting me excited for next week's Dynamite. I know why I'm coming next week. I'm not coming because it is just habit, because it's just repetition, because I just need something to fill the space. I'm coming because next week there is a chance that SCU loses and are no longer a tag team. Next week I'm coming because Miro might beat Darby Allin for the TNT Championship. Next week, John Moxley's New Japan US title belt may go back to New Japan. And that's only some of it. I really didn't get like a chance to talk about the women's division at all on this show. That's unfortunate. Still excited. And lastly, the reason that we were even truly here tonight, the match that we have been waiting over a year, literally not a gimmick, not an exaggeration, blood and guts, AEW's version of War Games came today. And people may be say whatever they say on the internet and on the interwebs, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. This is what professional wrestling should feel like. And we got it on a Wednesday night television show, less than a month before the pay-per-view is gonna happen. And that is super cool to me. You know, for starters, let's talk about the outfits. We get the pinnacle in all white, the heels, then we get the baby faces coming out looking like badasses in jail prison suits. Shout out to Proud and Powerful with the Rikers Island suits. I would have had one of those myself. Perfect. Then the match starts off with Sammy versus Dax. Now, we all know how Chris Jericho feels about Sammy Guevara, the Spanish God, and Sammy held himself down this whole match from the time it started and he does the the kick through from the kicks he has on fuego fuego looking fly from the double springboard spanish fly off the rope to the springboard cutters to the surrendering for the end of the match he held himself down so good and i'm so happy and i'm so proud of you sammy guevara good for you 
We had so many other things that also got the chance to shine. Sean Spears, the chairman. Blood got a chance to shine on this show. My boys, Santana and Ortiz, proud and powerful, got a chance to shine. Wardlow got a chance to shine. Tully got a chance to shine. The Diamond Ring got a chance to shine. Floyd got a chance to shine. The Avengers standoff reset wasn't corny. You know, you had Santana on one side and they basically threw him over to the other side. It was perfect. Did I mention that Blood got a chance to shine? Because it was everything I needed. Yes, commercials suck. Capitalism suck, even with the pitcher and pitcher. But one thing that does not suck, safety does not suck. So there was nothing wrong with that fall. I love the ending. The match gave me everything I needed. And I think what I need for double or nothing now is an inner circle hour. Maybe it's an inner circle tailgate party where we get Proud and Powerful versus FTR, where we get Hager versus Wardlow, where we get Sean Spears versus Sammy Guevara. Maybe that's a four versus four. No, we don't need that. We just got that. And then we get the Chris Jericho MGF that we've been waiting for this whole time. And we need that. Put that on paper because the Silent P said so. Because, because, the Silent P said so. Because, because. What have I become now that I've betrayed everyone I've ever loved and pushed them all away? And the truth is enslaved to the truth that's in my mind. Is there something left for me to save in the wreckage of my life? My life, I become, I become, I become a. I become, I become, I become a. Judas in, Judas in my mind. I become, I become, I become a. I become, I become, I become a. Judas in, Judas in my mind. And that's because the Silent P says so. Seriously? 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 Seriously?